Lord, I just thank you for John, Lord. Thank you for his life. And Lord, thank you that he's our pastor, Father. And I just pray, Lord, that um, today that he will um, speak of, of what you want him to say, Lord, and not what he wants to say. But I just also pray, Lord, that we will be able to take it into our hearts today, Lord, that we will be able to implement it in our lives, Lord. And Lord, that we will be blessed um, and your Holy Spirit will be present. I just pray this in your mighty name. Amen. Amen. Thanks, Becky. Amen. How are we doing? Good to see you. Um, if you would like to, uh, uh, if you have your Bibles with you, um, you can go to Luke 6. I'm not going to get there yet, but just if you have your Bibles, I'm, just, I'm going to that. I want to talk about following Christ's pattern or his example, and it really relates to where we are as a church in relation to the vision and, um, and what our next step is and, and things like that. And, and really, I want to sort of draw your attention to what I said last week as well. If you, if you wasn't here last week or if you haven't heard the, the message last week, I encourage you to listen to it um, online because it's the, um, if you like, uh, the foundation of what I want to say today. So um, I think that's just to sort of, as a bit of a follow-on, but also, um, yeah, slightly different, but... Um, but it, I want to start on this, this whole point. We, as Christians, are called to follow Jesus. Amen? Um, 2 Timothy 1 verse 9, he's speaking of God. He says, um, God who, or Jesus, if you like, who saved us and called us to a holy calling, not because of our works, but because of his own purpose and grace, which he gave us in Christ before the ages began. We have been called to follow Jesus. Um, <clears throat> 1 Peter 2 verse 9. You are a chosen race, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a people for his own possession, that you may proclaim the excellencies of him who called you out of darkness into his marvelous light. We're called to be a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a people for his own possession. We're called and... Um, the call has gone out and the call continues to go out and we are some here that have heard the call and responded to the call. Called to what? And there are a variety of calls if you, um, you can look at this, but the general call is to follow Jesus. And you can see this when Jesus walked in the, uh, uh, when he was on the earth, he would come and then he'd call out to his disciples and he would say, follow me and I will make you fishers of men. And so, Disciples are those who follow Jesus. And um, there, are, there are two key ways that um, I, I think that we can see how we do this. And the first way is through regeneration. The second way is through imitation. Regeneration and imitation. Regeneration by the Holy Spirit. Amen? Regeneration is the process where God fills us with his Holy Spirit, changes us from the inside out. We can't imitate Christ without first being regenerated by the Holy Spirit. And, and uh, I know, you know, many of us will know through personal experience, the only way we've been able to be like Jesus is because he's already made us like him in, in our hearts. And the reason we haven't been able to be like Jesus is because we haven't been made like Jesus in our hearts. So, um, you know, this is... This is um, 
Um, really important stuff. Imitation is by following in obedience the pattern or the example he and others have shown us. So when we read the, the, the scriptures, he, he, and when he preaches in uh, Matthew and he, and he preaches and teaches about uh, you know, the, the, the Sermon on the Mount, he's saying, now you go do likewise um, on the basis that you have been regenerated in your heart by the Holy Spirit. So uh, when we look at the Sermon on the Mount, it is the expression of the uh, spirit-filled believer, not the expression of just someone following the law because we will fail at every turn. And so regeneration, imitation. And I'll talk more about imitation this morning um, and how it relates to where we are as a church. But regeneration, just to really labour this point, that we cannot follow Jesus without the power of the Holy Spirit. So if we're inquiring about God, or you know anyone who is inquiring about God, we have to labour the point, you need the Holy Spirit to dwell in your hearts and he will give you the power and the ability to move out. Just seen uh, Demola there. Um, she's only just gave birth yesterday. Um, lovely to see Demola. And um, I've forgotten the baby's name. Elisa. I haven't seen Elisa yet. But anyway, isn't it lovely to see them here. Um, so the other thing about the Holy Spirit is not only are we filled with the Holy Spirit, but we have to yield to the Holy Spirit. So... Don't expect that when the Holy Spirit comes in, that actually the Bible teaches us things which um, we'll get to in a minute, but teach us things that say it's not just having the Holy Spirit in your heart, you have to choose to yield to the Holy Spirit. You have to surrender, you have to obey, you have to walk in the Spirit. So, you know, these are very practical things um, that we have to follow. The Holy Spirit works to conform us to Christ, therefore by then we become like Christ. Um, Paul said to the Galatian church, my little children for whom I am again in the anguish of childbirth, amen, Demola, um, until Christ is formed in you. So he's teaching them, these are born again believers, he's teaching them um, and they were getting a bit stuck in um, stuff that was not of the spirit but he's saying to them, I'm going to teach you, I'm going to explain to you, I'm going to show you until Christ is formed in you. And that's why we need church, because we learn together what it means to be like Christ. Romans 8, 29, this is Paul again. For those whom God foreknew, he also predestined to be conformed to the image of his Son, in order that he might be the firstborn among many brothers. In other words, Jesus didn't just come through the cross to open up the door. He came through the cross to open up the door and then lead many like himself through it. Um, so in other words, salvation isn't just a moment that we, we come to where we confess our sin and are forgiven. That's the beginning of becoming like Christ. He is the firstborn, not that he was born because uh, he has always existed, but he is the first of many. He is the beginning, the template, the example of what it means to be a disciple. Now, I know for many of us, this isn't, this isn't new, but as Peter always says, uh, was it in 1 Peter, he says, uh, I remind you, <laughs> or something like that anyway. Uh, but we need the Holy Spirit to work in us, not just by regeneration, but also imitation. 
Here's another verse, 1 Corinthians 11, verse 1. Paul says, uh, you should imitate me just as I imitate Christ. That's a New Living Translation version. I think, um, be imitators of me as I am of Christ. And so, now we, we're not just, the goal there is to imitate Christ, not for him. He was like, look, I'll, if you want to learn what it means, then follow me. That's what he's essentially saying. But the goal wasn't to make followers of Paul, it was to make followers of Christ. 1 Peter 2, 21. For to this you have been called, there's the calling again, because Christ also suffered for you, leaving you an example so that you might follow in his steps. So there are many uh, steps that we can follow Jesus in. You know, or He has shown us through his life how we ought to live. And uh, whether, however you're old, I know we've got the, the youth in here this morning. Um, this is simple stuff. If you just read the scriptures, what did Jesus do? Now you go do likewise in the power of the Holy Spirit. Uh, whether you're old or young, I, it's, it's not complicated, is it? The most powerful truths of the Bible are simple. We overcomplicate them because they're often challenging for us to actually go ahead and do it. But sometimes I think, you know, do we pull the joker out the pack and say, oh, I'm just led of the Spirit. I don't mean to spit. I'm led of the Spirit, which in many ways says I can therefore go and do whatever I want because I'm just led by the Spirit. Yes, you are led by the Spirit, but the Spirit will lead you to be what the Bible says. The Bible tells me, John, this is what you should be like, then that's what is the example I should look for and not make up my own rules on the basis of being led by the Spirit. I've no uh, thought that that was anyone's mindset here this morning, of course. But nevertheless, I've heard it said that we cannot trust the Scriptures. Um, we have to be led by the Spirit. I haven't heard that here. So I want us to think about this pattern because this pattern, this example of Jesus, and there are many things that we could talk about Jesus, is the foundation of what the vision which has been shared with the church is all about. And um, so bringing the vision, stripping it all the way back, what is the biblical foundation of what is being asked of us as a church? And that's where I want to, to go to. And... and um, and it comes down to this, to grow as a Christian, as a follower of Jesus, we need to follow the pattern that Jesus laid out for us. And uh, you might think, what is that all it is? Um, and this is where we get to Luke 6. And if you start in verse 12, I just want to read from 12 to 19. And then I, I want you to look there about what Jesus is doing in this passage, and so we start. In these days, he went out to the mountain to pray, and all night he continued in prayer to God. And when day came, he called his disciples and chose from them the 12 whom he named apostles. Simon, whom he named Peter, Andrew, his brother, and James and John, and Philip and Bartholomew, and Matthew and Thomas, and James, the son of Alphaeus, and Simon, who was called the Zealot, and Judas, the son of James, and Judas Iscariot, who became a traitor. And he came down with them and stood on a level place with a great crowd of disciples and a great multitude of people from all Judea and Jerusalem and the sea coast of Tyre and Sidon who came to hear him and to be healed of their diseases. And those who were troubled with unclean spirits were cured. And all the crowd sought to touch him, 
for power came out from him and healed them all. And so in this, I want to point out three things. The first thing and, uh, was that he spent time with his father. He went up to the mountain to pray. He spent time with his followers, the believers, disciples, and he spent time with unbelievers or the world when he came down with a great crowd. So we got his father, his church, if you like, the world. But in these days, he went out to the mountain to pray and all night he continued in prayer to God. Jesus always made time for his father. He always made time for his father. And again, I spoke on this last, last week, but it was the foundation of his ministry. It was the place in which he found rest. In this situation, he needed to make a decision. And so he went and he spent a night in prayer. And his decision was, who are the 12 that he is going to choose and set apart from his disciples that he will train up and equip as leaders? He would call them apostles and they became leaders, except for Judas Iscariot, which many of us will know what happened to him. And he would spend time alone in prayer. And there are many times when Jesus would go and spend time with God in prayer. And, and if we want to grow in God, we need to be spending time with God. And that relationship represents our focus and our, and our relationship with God. We need to spend time in prayer. We need to spend time in worship. It is our God-focused relationship. It's about learning from him, resting in him, spending time with him, listening to him, all these kind of things. Um, and that could be through the word, where we spend time in the Word, where we spend time in prayer, where we spend time in worship. They're all God-focused activities. And so I like to, and I'd like us to, to summarise this relationship as in these two words, worship and word. Worship and word. So when, when we say to us, you know, are we following Jesus? This is the goal. Are we following Jesus? In order to grow in God, we need to follow Jesus. Are you following Jesus in the principle of worship and the word? Okay, simples. This is our up relationship. And as I said, I spoke last week, everything flows from that place. It flows out of that place of rest in God. The more time we spend with God, the more we will find that place of rest. But this wasn't just what Jesus did. As it says, and when they came, he called his disciples and chose from them the 12. Now remember, when, often when we think about, can anyone tell me the, um, the names of all the disciples? Anyone? Anyone? No. You could probably tell me 12 of them because they're right in that passage. But you can't tell me all of them. Because we don't know all of them. We know that there are at least 70 because sooner or later in about chapter 9... I think it is, he sends out 70. But there were many disciples and he chose the 12 apostles. They were the leaders that he would raise up to lead the church after he had gone. So when day came, he came down and he then spends time with his disciples. He called his disciples and in this account, he spent time um, with them but if you go to verse 20 of that same chapter, it says, And he lifted up his eyes on his disciples and said, Blessed are you who are poor, for yours is the kingdom of God. And then he teaches 
Through these two chapters, he starts with the Beatitudes. So he's teaching his disciples. He lifted up his eyes on his disciples and taught them. See, this is, Jesus spent many, um, if you can imagine, many hours, so much time walking, speaking, talking, teaching, showing the disciples how to do these various things. Shortly after, in this, passage, in this um, uh, book of Luke, we see that he then sends out, this is chapter nine, he then sends out the 12 apostles. He says, now I've shown you what I've been doing, now you go and do what I've been showing you what to do, imitation. He's saying, imitate me. You've seen what I've been doing, now you go and do it. And that's what church is about. It's about us learning from the Lord, listening to God, learning from one another, listening to what God is saying. Although we're not necessarily standing here listening to Jesus, we believe that Jesus is speaking through the Holy Spirit, be it through the Word, through the Scriptures, or through the prophetic Word, and variously. So we see this relationship of where Jesus is spending time with his disciples and this is where we can summarize this as our serve and support, our relationship with the church. We serve one another. The gifts, the gifts of the Spirit are given for the common good. The gifts that God has given you may benefit you, but they're given for others. The gifts God has given me may benefit me, but they're given for others. And so when God brought the church together, he said, we are a body. The hand needs the foot and the eye needs the ear and all these kind of things. So every, when the church comes together, we are there for each other to serve one another. And Jesus said, uh, or let's go to Hebrews first. This is what Hebrews said. He said, let us consider how to stir up one another to love and good works, not neglecting to meet together as is the habit of some, but encouraging one another and all the more as you see the day drawing near. The Hebrew church, as some of us will know, is, was going through real trials and difficulties. And he's saying, you need one another. You need to be together. You need Christian community because that's the way in which God, when Jesus went back into heaven and the Holy Spirit was poured out, that was the means by which Jesus would teach and grow and encourage the church. So we're, we need to give our time to serve and to support. That's where care comes, teaching, loving, helping, encouraging, stirring up one another. Again, this isn't new stuff, is it? I'm looking at your faces and it's like you're thinking, give us the great interesting thing I've never thought of, John. It's not going to happen in this sermon. I tell you, it is basic, simple stuff, um, but life-changing. See, if you want to grow as a, as a Christian, you need to be in church. And I don't just mean meetings. Meetings is an expression of church. You need to be in community because you need what others have and others need what you have. And it needs to be poured out and touched and experienced. I need the service and the care that others give me. I can't exist on my own. Even as a unit with my wife, we cannot exist on our own. We need the church. So if you want to grow, you need Christian community. Otherwise, you can start to go a little bit off. We serve one another. That's why this um, support and serve, this is our in Kind of, we get in with one another. We got up with the Lord, we get in with one another. And then he goes on. And he came down with 
them, the disciples, stood on a level place. I love the language here, by the way. You might, I mean, pick out this. With a great crowd of his disciples, not just the 12, and a great multitude of people from all Judea and Jerusalem and the seacoast of Tyre and Sidon who came to hear him and to be healed of their diseases. So Jesus has spent time with his father, he spends time with his disciples, and now he's spending time with the world. And what I love about this is that he took his disciples with him. He was a great lover of, right, guys, let's go together. Now it says, <clears throat> again, a great crowd of his disciples. I mean, I've just... Uh, this is an aside really, but I'd love to have seen what that was like. But we know of other times when he took his disciples with him, the feeding of the 5,000, where he's preaching and he's taking his disciples and then the disciples saying, what are we going to do with these people? And he says, well, you figure it out. You know, you've been with me. You figure it out. They're like, and he teaches them. But I love this um, in the, uh, so they're all watching him, they're learning from him. So that when they go out in chapter 9, the 12 apostles, they go out and do the same things. But he, I think this is, Luke's using interesting words here. I don't know what the Greek is, but, you know, I, I think whoever translated this did know. So there you go. Um, and he came down and stood on a level place. See, often when we think about going out to the world, it's very easy for us to say, you say, you, come up higher to where I'm at and then I will share with you from where I am the things of God. When Jesus said, no, I'm going to come down and get on a level place. And I'm going to talk to you where you're at. And I'm going to show you the love of God where you're at. Now, he's not saying that we should, as some people believe, that we should adopt the certain lifestyles of, of the worldly. Let's talk like they talk. Let's share the same um, uh, bad humour that they do in order that we may be able to get on the same level. No. He's saying, I'm, gonna, I'm not going to ask you to step out of your comfort zone and come up into mine. I'm going to get on a level place. And so he did that. And then he says, this great um, multitude who came, to, who came to hear him. They came to him. And so... Again, this is this wonderful thing. I think this is fantastic because I don't think that we really understand that God is in the business of drawing people to him. And, and the Bible tells us no one can come to the Father unless the Father draws them. And who is he drawing them to him through but us? And so, and Jesus, this great passage in John 4, 29 to 35, and just again, you know this passage, many of us, um, about the woman at the well, and she goes and says, come see a man who told me all that I ever did. Can this be the Christ? They went out of the town and were coming to him. The disciples come and they're saying, Rabbi, eat. But he said to them, I have food to eat that you do not know about. So the disciples said to one another, has anyone brought him something to eat? In other words, they have no idea what's going on. And Jesus said, my food is to do the will of him who sent me and to accomplish his work. Do not say there are yet four months, then comes the harvest. Look, I tell you, lift up your eyes and see that the fields are white for harvest. He said, look up, look at these people, they're coming to me. See, our, this third relationship is our relationship with the people in the world. This is where we look out. And the two words I wanted to think about are connect and invite. 
See, some people um, might just think, well, we go out and we just keep telling everyone the word. And that's one part of it. You sow the seeds, but then you harvest. You connect and then you invite. And um, it's both of those things. And, and I find that really helpful personally. Connect and invite is a good way of seeing there are two sides to this relationship with people in the world. Connecting with people. God is drawing people into your orbit and he's wanting to you to connect with them and then invite them. Eventually invite them into the things of God. But maybe it's just to invite them into a conversation or invite them to have a coffee or to invite whatever. So we've got up, uh, spending time with the Father, looking up, God-focused. We're church-focused. We're loving, supporting, serving one another, growing together. And then we've got our world focus. We're looking out to the world and we're saying, how do we see and prepare to receive those in that God is drawing us? And Jesus did all of these three things. Um, He came down to a level place. People came to him. This is about growing as spiritual men and women of God, we have to do all of those three things. Some might say, but all we need to do is worship and study the word. That's not what Jesus did. That's what I'm saying. He did do that, but it's not just what he did. Some might say, no, we need to serve and to support one another. Amen, but that's not what Jesus did. He did the other stuff as well. Um, No, surely we need to reach out and invite in a dying world. We need to get out there. Yes, amen. But that's not what Jesus did. He did all of those three things. And I've not done a survey in the New Testament to count the time, how much Jesus spent on all three things. But I believe this, all three things are equally important. And as soon as we neglect one of those or two of those, if we are like, I was going to find a picture of a tree that has sort of grown a little bit. I was thinking of the Tower of Pisa. You know, the Tower of Pisa that's, you know, is slanted because they started to grow it, but they didn't get the foundation right. And one area, it was, it was soft. And so as they're building it, it's tipping. So they tried to build, they built it differently as they're going up, but it, nothing happened. If you read the, it just is still there. But the problem was the foundation was wrong. It doesn't matter how you build, you're going to topple. And so when we're thinking about what to follow Jesus We need to follow him and understand for me to grow spiritually and to grow in God and to grow strong in the Lord, I need to see these three areas outworked in my life. All of them. If your time with God, so if you think about this, if your time with God in worship and study and prayer um, isn't leading to serving the church and reaching out. Biblically speaking, there's something not right there. Equally, if you're reaching out and neglecting the church, you're equally going to be compromised because you're not following the pattern of Jesus. And we're called to be regenerated and to imitate him. Um, again, as another example, if we're all about serving and caring and praying for people, it's wonderful, but that is not what Jesus did. Only. Some might say, but oh, my, my gifting, I'm a pastor by gifting, or I am a teacher, or, you know, that's my gifting, so I need to give everything to that. Again, that's not what Jesus did. 
In fact, Paul actually said to Timothy, who was clearly a pastor, he said, do the work of an evangelist. Now, he didn't say, because in other places he says, stir up the gift that is within you, Timothy, that was given to you by the laying on of hands. And he says, do the work of an evangelist. Clearly, there's a different tone there. And he's saying, the gift will stir in you like passion and you will outwork it because that's what God is doing. But don't neglect doing the work of an evangelist. You've got to do it because that's what Jesus did. In fact, we can even go to, um, you know, if, if we weren't to worship in the Word, why did the Lord give us the Lord's Prayer? If we weren't called to uh, love one another as church, why were we given the Great Commandment? If we weren't called to go out into the world, why were we given the Great Commission? We were all given all of those three things. So all of those three things need to be happening. And then this is where we come to the vision Essentially, breaking down the vision and taking away all the bells and whistles and all these kind of things, it comes down to this. How are we living out those three things personally? So how are you seeing those three relationships working out in your personal walk with the Lord? How are you doing that? And part of what we need to do as church is encourage that. Secondly is, as community groups, we need to start seeing all these free things happening in our community groups. Now, your community group might be really strong on worship and the word. So how do we transition to seeing the other two relationships really become, again, on equal uh, um, expression? Or you might be really strong on reaching out, but are you neglecting Bible study and worship? How do we transition the group, to include all of those things. What does that look like? And these are the things that we need to start to ask the Lord to help us. But see, when I use this term missional communities, it's essentially groups that are built on these three principles. It says, how do we do those three things well? Because when we have a culture of these three, three things, we know that God will bless it. It's the example of Jesus. It's biblical. You can't ignore it. It's not one. It's more important than the other. All these three things. And as we, as we work out these three things, we will grow. And God will bless it. God will add to us and things like that. But this is where, as groups, none of what I've said here, said here says, this is how you need to go ahead and do that. You, you, go and, you decide. How are you going to do that in your personal life? How are you going to work that out? You, seek the Lord. As a group, as a group, what, how, what's the Lord speaking to you as groups? Or maybe the Lord's putting a vision in your heart to start a group. How are you going to do that group in the light of this? How are you going to... So this is what I'm talking about with the vision. It's breaking it down to its biblical basis and then saying, right, will you go away and pray about in your groups? How are you going to be balanced in this way? So, the other, the other way, and by the way, when you look at these groups, if you want another pattern, look at Acts 2, verse 42. The early church operated on these principles. They went from house to house. They, they had new converts. People were being added to them. They were, so they were connecting with new people. They were devoted to the teaching, um, worshiping the word. They were connecting and inviting people in, worshiping the word. And then it said that they had all things in common, serve and support. Finally, the whole church. How do we as a whole church together see these three things? How do we do 
the out mission together? How do we do worship and the word together? Well, this is generally how we do it. How do we serve? How do we serve as a church? That's an interesting one, isn't it? How can we serve others? How can we think a bit about how we serve others with our time or with our money as a church? That's interesting. Or as our groups, how do you serve as a group, the church? Or how do you do the out, connect and invite as a group? So again, taking these three principles and applying it to what we're doing and saying, how do we do that? Lord, will you come and speak and lead and guide us so that we together can know your heart and your mind? So I've been uh, seeing this as a, as a line drawing and saying, here's a line drawing. You know like those old colouring uh, that the kids use? You give them a, a colouring and you say, no, you just colour that in. You give one to three different kids, you'd have three different things. It might be the same outline, but boy, would they colour it differently. Isn't that amazing? See what God could do through different people. This isn't about uniformity. This is about following the example of Jesus and the unity of that to take the encouragement this morning, but seeing the variety of what God will do. Finally, I want to say one other thing before we, before we close. I really believe that God... Um, is going to inspire individuals and groups to outwork this. It's not something that is going to be controlled from wherever the top is, if it's at the bottom or whatever. But I really believe that God wants to raise up leaders, people with passion and vision to start groups or to lead groups that will help to get groups together to say, this is what God is speaking to us. And, and I'm, I, you know, I'm really keen to encourage people to do that and put the question in their heart, into their minds and say, you tell us as elders, what is it that God is speaking to you? We've just got three things I wanna see. I, I wanna be able to see how you're outworking this relationship which is God-focused, this relationship which is church-focused and this relationship which is the world-focused. You tell me. And, I, and I'm believing that as we pray and as we see God, God will stir vision, stir hearts and it's gonna come up from, if you like, the grass roots, I think is the term people use. I don't know if that's the right term. And so we need to pray about that. But I want to encourage you this morning and submit to you that this, these three things are of many other things that Jesus did on its basic level says, Jesus says, imitate me. So how are we doing that as a church? And this is what, in its basic package is what the vision's all about. And I just want us to pray about that. And, um, and um, it's been really encouraging as elders as we discuss this and... Um, we're gathering people together to help to say, okay, well, how are we going to step into that? And how are we going to know what the next steps are so we might see how we can encourage that to happen? Amen? Amen. Let's pray. Father, we just thank you for your example in Jesus Christ. Lord, what a wonderful saviour. Lord, you were so simple in your in your example, but yet, Lord, we realise all the challenges we have because we often look at things through our own flesh. But I thank you for the power of the Holy Spirit. Lord, help us to yield to you in these days, to know your heart, know your mind, Lord, that we might be like you. 
Father, that you might help us to move forward in these days. Lord, we realize our absolute need of you, Lord, to make these things happen. And again, Lord, we're looking to move forward together. Father, so I just continue to pray for us as a church. Lord, that as we have heard this morning these biblical truths, that you might really embed those in our hearts and minds. Lord, that we might grow strong in you and not neglect any area of our lives, Lord, that you're wanting to grow us in. Lord, so will you help us, Lord? Will you speak to us again and again? Will you help us to hear your word uh, directing our hearts? Lord, will you stir up vision and passion, Lord, for um, our groups? Lord, in our current groups or new groups, Lord, or whatever you have in mind, Lord, you are doing something in the church and Lord, we know that you will fulfill all that you desire. So Lord, we just come and bring these things to you and we pray for one another. Lord, may we have those right relationships where we can encourage one another to grow, Lord, with these three aspects that you've worked out so clearly. Lord, our hearts and minds on you, our love for one another and our heart, Lord, open to the world. Lord, that you may save some. So, Lord, I just commit this time to you now in Jesus' name. Amen. So, we invite the band back up. I think it's our time just to respond.